Welcome to Ideal Conditions, a Polygon podcast. From controlling temperature and humidity in buildings and food plants to restoring critical documents like x-rays and rare books, we're here to explore the challenges and solutions for interior climate management and remediation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ideal Conditions, a podcast brought to you by Polygon. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us here for another episode of the show. Today on the show, we're doing a little bit more job talk with Polygon's East team. And joining me here today is Larry Waltemeyer and Rich Shoemaker. Uh, Larry is business unit manager uh, for the East region for Polygon, and uh, he has over 40 years of service industry experience, 28 of those years with Polygon. Uh, so Larry has uh, has seen a lot, and he's bringing a lot of knowledge and information to the show today. So Larry, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thrilled to have you on today. And we're also joined today by Rich Shoemaker. He's the business development manager for the East region at Polygon. And Rich also brings 18 years of experience uh, to the podcast with him today. So Rich, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. That's 18 years of experience with Polygon. So, I mean, we've got, what is that, 46 years of experience with Polygon here on the podcast today, guys. And so um, I'm guessing that that we're going to get into some some examples uh, of just uh, different projects that really um, exemplifies the way that Polygon works and the expertise that you have in these areas. But with 46 years of experience at Polygon between the two of you, I'm guessing that there's not too much that you guys haven't seen at this point. Larry, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have worked together a bunch and seen just about every scenario that you could think of. Yes, we have. From uh, disasters to uh... Uh, chicken plant needs to everything imaginable. Uh, we've seen it all. Some some of which we probably don't want to see, but we have. <laughs> that's yeah, that's absolutely I, right. If I could add to that, you know, it's you're you're right, but every now and then you get a curveball thrown at you, and you get, you know, a, a new twist on some of the things that we've done in the past, and we're able to to take from that experience and and come up with solutions. But uh, yeah, we've seen a lot. Well, I'm sure as, as technology continues to evolve as well, there are new solutions and new ways to approach problems maybe that you've seen in the past. So we might talk a little bit more about that on the podcast here in just a little bit. But Larry, let's start off here. Let's start off talking about the warehouse bulk powder storage um, example. Tell us a little bit more about, um, about what this project entailed and why it's an important one for us to bring up today. Well, the, the customer came to us uh, with a need they had a 7 million cubic foot warehouse that was full of uh, dry product, uh, powder product. So it would be maybe baby formula, dried milk, um, whey protein. And they had a concern because they had no humidity control in the building. It was our job to come up with uh, a, a solution for that humidity problem. And their, their main concern was that the product um, which was coming in from all over the world, might have an insect larvae hatching that could be in the packing material. And that was their main concern as it came in. And it was our job to solve that problem. So, Rich, tell us a little bit more about the solution then for this problem, because, look, uh, at the end of the day, you do not want uh, larvae hatching in, uh, in your product, I imagine. So uh, what, what was the solution that Polygon provided in this case? Yeah, so just to add... To, to what Larry said first, the uh, because it, it's a food product, uh, the government comes in and does inspections. So if they come in and find uh, insects, insect larvae 
in in the product, it's deemed unusable. So, you know, there's a uh, uh, a loss of product, and that's that was a big concern of theirs. You know, this was something that they were going from just general storage to becoming just uh, this this bulk uh, uh, powdered uh, product warehouse. 100% the the uh, 100% of the powdered products were now going to be in this warehouse. So seven million cubic feet building, like Larry said, no climate control. They need to keep the relative humidity at 50% or lower to prevent larvae from hatching. So if there was insects present, they would never hatch at 50% relative humidity or lower. Uh, our challenge was 7 million square foot building. And at the time of us visiting, they were transitioning from just general storage to this powdered product. So they had it in the warehouse, but it was only a small portion at the time of our visit. Knowing that over time, it was going to be racks throughout the entire space, 35 foot high, filled with this product. So we were sizing it for the space, but knowing that over time, it would be filled with product. So taking the amount of air that we had to dry would, would drop considerably over time. So our solution was two 15,000 CFM desiccant dehumidifiers. And those units have three supplies and three returns. Uh, so we can take air through the unit, put it back into the space. Uh, we, we took six supply ducts, three from each unit, and we spidered those out into the space and cut holes in the temporary duct and to drop air throughout the the uh, the warehouse. We took one duct and ran it over to the loading dock doors because that was really the only source of air infiltration or bad air infiltration. And those doors, if they're taking and, and uh, shipping and receiving product, those doors are constantly open. Wet, moist air comes into the space, uh, creating the problem. So we ran a, uh, a section of duct over the doorway, cut holes at the, the loading dock doors to create an air curtain to stop that air from infiltrating the space. So in the beginning, we were averaging 48 to 50% relative humidity pretty consistently. And as they added product, that relative humidity dropped. So, you know, we started this project back in 2017. Uh, we average now around 35% relative humidity. It spikes a little bit in the summertime because of the, you know, the moisture load that you'll get with, you know, humid summers in, in the Northeast, but it doesn't typically rise above 40. So the customer is very happy. Uh, we're consistent. Um, you know, we're recirculating the air from the space. So we're, we're not taking outside air, which could also introduce insects just by, you know, migration through the equipment. Um, unlikely, but possible, but we, Eliminated, eliminated that by using uh, recirculation of, of the, the air in the space. Um, we can also track the conditions. Because the government comes in and, and does inspections, they want to see readings of the space. So the customer is using their own sensors 
to take relative humidity temperature readings. Um, but we can validate that by the sensors we have on our equipment because we're recirculating the air. We know what's coming back into the unit so we can validate their numbers. We can say, okay, you're, we've been delivering 35%, 35 to 40% over the last month. Um, and give them actual dates when this is taking place uh, based on the, the, the monitoring that we have on our equipment. Excellent stuff. I mean, that's, um, I, I think just a, a, an incredible achievement to be able to do that in a, in a building that, like you mentioned, is 7 million cubic feet uh, is incredible. What, what particular challenges are posed by a building being that large? How, how is that? How does that make this project maybe unique compared to other, other projects that you guys have done? You know, it, on, on paper, it's, it looks pretty straightforward. Uh, all we have to do is control relative humidity. Uh, but the size of the space, um, how we can run duct work 35 feet in the air and, and do it safely, uh, uh, coordination with the, the, uh, uh, with the customer, you know, mm -hmm. running forklifts all the time, you know, um, power consumption, you know, these units uh, can consume a lot of power. Right. So we had to talk about where that was coming from. Uh, these units are, are they're called tri-fuel. So we can use straight electric. Uh, we can use some electric and natural gas for the reactivation of the desiccant wheel uh, or propane. And in this case, we're using a little bit of electric and they had natural gas on site. So we're able to tap into that and, and lower their, their uh, fuel consumption or electric consumption uh, in this case. Um, yeah, just uh, logistics, dis distributing the air um, and making sure we were giving them what we, we told them we would. You know, we put a lot on paper, we engineer it, then it has to work. And, you know, we pride ourselves on making sure things work. So uh, we, we achieved that and have been doing that since, uh, like I said, 2017. Incredible. That's uh, just what an amazing example. Let's, let's go to our second example we're going to talk about here on the, the podcast today, and that is bakery spiral freezers. And once again, we're talking a little bit more about relative humidity, but also temperature control. So Larry, give us some of the details here uh, of this particular project and, uh, and what you were trying to achieve and overcome. Yes, this this was a pretty interesting job. And the first time that I've come across this type of job, it was an artisan bread company. And the the idea behind this bread company is they they cook the bread or bake the bread to a certain level, but not all the way. That way, when they send the loaf of bread to a restaurant, the restaurant can put it in their own oven for 10 minutes or so, and it comes out like fresh bread. So this would be common in an Italian restaurant or somewhere like that where they would have these, these fresh breads. They were basically partially cooked or partially baked. And the, they use what's called a spiral freezer. So the spiral freezer allows this to, one, do large amounts and evenly freeze the, uh, the material quicker. And they're normally running anywhere from minus 10 degrees to minus 50 degrees. What this does is anytime you're freezing something like that, there's going to be some moisture release. And that moisture was then releasing and causing problems downstream or in the production 
and it was either shutting the production down or stopping the production. And that was the main reason we were involved in these spiral freezers. So, Rich, follow up on uh, on Larry's comments there and tell us a little bit more about uh, the solution here, but also just uh, that facility in general and maybe what challenges you, you came up against in this project. Yeah, so, you know, if you if you picture a bakery in your mind, you know, you're thinking the quarter mom and pop, you know, uh, bakery. This is a large industrial facility and quality control comes into play. Uh, you know, like Larry said, this bread is baked to a certain point, goes into the spiral freezer and it, you know, flash freezes it in that state so that it can be called fresh when it's delivered and cooked or final baked at, at its final uh, destination. What'll happen is, you know, that, that bread is, is giving off heat and moisture as it's going into the spiral freezer, along with the conditions outside of the, uh, the spiral freezer. So the general conditions in the space are not controlled to the point where you won't get moisture being brought into the spiral freezer, you know, higher humidity, it's, it's warmer. Um, so that's what was happening the, between the, you know, the a combination of the bread giving off moisture and air infiltration from the plant itself would get into that, you know, say it's, it's, uh, you know, 60 degrees, 70 degrees. It's now going into a, 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 a minus 10 to a minus 20, whatever, uh, freezer that moisture then crystallizes. Mm. It, it can cause, uh, frosting, um, inside the freezer, which shuts it down for maintenance. But more importantly, it causes, uh, crystallization on the bread and that becomes useless. Just like insect larvae before we were talking about the, 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 the warehouse, it's quality control. They can't sell that product. So it goes into the dumpster. So our solution was small HC 600 desiccant dehumidifiers. We sized it for the size, size of that spiral freezer. They come in all different sizes, but the HC 600, 600 CFM desiccant dehumidifier with uh, with some pre-cooling, uh, we built uh, stainless steel hoods at the entrance of the spiral freezer, ducted that equipment over top, and we created a, an air curtain. So as that bread's coming through, that air curtain stops that moisture from entering the spiral freezer. So you, you're eliminating the, the, the moisture, the heat, um, and any, you know, potential condensation coming through that would then turn into frost, uh, ice crystals, whatever, you know, whatever the, the, the issue might be at any given time. So no downtime for maintenance on the equipment because of frosting and freezing and their product, uh, utilization, you know, goes up to, you know, hundred percent versus maybe, 70% because of, of, uh, of, of moisture on the product. And we've, in this particular site, we, at one point we're doing five different freezers. Uh, they came up with permanent solutions over time. Uh, we're down to maybe two freezers at this point. So we work in conjunction with, um, uh, some of the manufacturer reps 
that are providing a permanent solution, you know, we're that perfect, perfect stopgap um, where we can go in and give them a solution right away while they're trying to figure out the, the permanent solution. And, you know, we call it temporary, but again, this project uh, has also been running since 2017, uh, keeping that, keeping that plant up and running and, and um, you know, loss of product is minimal. Fantastic stuff. No, that, that that's a, that's a fantastic and, and excellent detailed description of, uh, of the solution that you provided in this case and, and why it was so necessary for these particular products. I want to move on and, and wrap up today talking about a museum renovation in New York City. And now we know that this went uh, for multiple years and that New York City's climate can make things challenging, right, Larry? So tell us a little bit more about that and, and the role that Polygon played in this particular project. So I'll take the 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 uh, the first part of that. Um, so we were we were called in uh, again museum res- renovation. They were doing some additions to this site uh, along with the HVAC renovation. Uh, so we needed to, or the conservators had uh, concerns about the millwork. Uh, they had a room with some tapestries and things that they didn't remove. Um, all the art was out of the space, but all the wood flooring, the the the, the millwork, the staircases, ceilings, um, you know, there was there was murals on ceilings that that they that they were concerned with. And this project was going to last uh, two years. So we had to come up with a system that would cover multiple seasons, spring, summer, fall, winter. And then in between is those shoulder months where, you know, it could be 90 degrees next week in New York City. And so we had to be prepared for that. And that's where uh, we came up with the solution. Mm. So, yeah, the, uh, thank you, Rich. So the, the solution was to go in with a humidity control unit. And these units use both <clears throat> desiccant dehumidification with cooling and we were able to then take care of the summer months by removing the humidity and adding some cooling. And as Rich mentioned, the shoulder months are a little bit more difficult, but then in the winter months, we were able to go in with heat, add some heat to the facility. And we blended all this together and ran it with control so we can monitor and take care of what's going on in this space. And they anticipate this job to run at least two years. And, um, what we were able to do is, is we came in with a positive pressure as opposed to recirculating the air. Because it was an active renovation site, we wanted to positively pressure the building. What that does is keep outside air from infiltrating as doors are being opened and all these types of things. Um, and some of the problems that we ran into on this job and that we were able to solve was we needed to use a crane to put the unit in there. It's it's New York City, so nothing's easy in New York City, and no. you can't just sit our equipment on the sidewalk. So we had to crane it into the on top of the facility or into the facility. There was a lot of obstacles there. So in, in recap, in the summer, we're doing dehumidification and cooling, and in the winter, we're doing humidification and heat. And in the shoulder months, 
you're kind of using both of those on and off. Uh, you know, like right now it's 70 degrees today, but it's 40 tonight. So those are the types of uh, things that we work through. And again, able to monitor and give them readings. We're able to tell if the equipment shuts off for any reason. We're able to tell performance from a distance. All those types of things were very important for this high-end museum. No, that's that's a that's a great point, you know. And then you brought up just the the different challenges presented by um, the weather in New York City, right? And, and just the way that things can can go in the Northeast. It's uh, you need a jacket in the morning, but by the afternoon, it's it's warm, right? And so there there are particular challenges presented when when weather patterns are that way, right? Yes. Yes. And uh, and we've, we've worked through these before. And the logistical challenges are sometimes more than the temperature challenges. Just mm -hmm. getting materials and product into New York City and getting it set up in a safe manner and in a manner that will provide the results that we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, the Maybe the most amazing feat is getting a crane somewhere in New York City. I mean, goodness, that sounds it's like. Not, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite the feat to, to see. I mean, you know, right. It, you can barely find parking in the city, let alone bringing in a crane to, to do this work. I mean, that, you know, that goes back to, you know, the engineering to make sure it's correct. Because if, if we don't do this right, you know, you can't just come in and swap out equipment. So, you know, we have a really good group of engineers and people that put their heads together to come up with the right solution and uh, and then putting it in place. And, you know, the, we don't just drop off our equipment and, and move on. You know, we own the project. You know, we we pride ourselves on making sure that this works for that entire, you know, two years. And, uh, you know, we, we do that. You know, do we have hiccups here or there? We do because it's moving parts and, you know, they they change the scope of the job and, and so forth. But we were flexible enough to to uh, make the changes that are needed and, you know, customers are happy. So Larry, Rich, you know, as we begin to wrap up this podcast episode, uh, you, you guys have provided some excellent examples just uh, of the work that the Polygon East uh, team has done. Uh, what do you want people to know about the technical expertise that, uh, that your team has, um, the problem solving skills, the way that you collaborate and work um, with, uh, with clients on a project? What do you hope people walk away with uh, from this podcast episode? Uh, Rich, we'll start with you. You know, I'll go back to what I, I just said. Um, you know, we own the jobs, small or large. Um, you know, again, I've been doing this for 18 years. And if we size it right, you know, it'll work every time. And if there's a problems, we own it and, you know, we take care of it. Um, fortunately, that's that's rare. Um but we we stay involved with the customers and and uh, you know our customer service our our technical uh you know our, our technical abilities are above and beyond i think than anybody else out there uh we just tell good stories provide a a, a good service and you know we own it that's what's made us successful Absolutely. Larry, uh, anything you, you would like to share just about uh, about the team and, and the way that you work? Yeah, thank you. Um, so if, if you look at the east, uh, we cover from Maine through North Carolina. And in that, we have uh, five offices. And those, the average tenure within Polygon in those uh, temporary climate solutions offices is about 10 years. So that's technicians, sales, 
uh, operations. Uh, our operations manager, Rob Sullivan, has 28 years with with the industry. Um, this goes a long way. As you said earlier in the podcast, there's not too much we haven't seen. And, and we can usually come up with a solution uh, on the fly, and then we use the engineering to validate it. But in a lot of cases, we know the solution. We just use the engineering and the to validate what we uh, what we think is the right way to go. Well, uh, you're putting that uh, that experience and that knowledge to, to great use and uh, to great effectiveness, as you uh, displayed here on the podcast today. So, Larry Waltemeyer, Rich Shoemaker, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode of Ideal Conditions and sharing a little bit more about your experience and some incredible examples of the work that you've done in recent years. Thank you again. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Tyler. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. And everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Ideal Conditions. Again, for more, you can always go uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts these days. You can subscribe, sign up, you can get more information there and uh, stay up to date with the latest episodes of the show. You'll want to do that. You can also go back and listen to previous episodes of the podcast there. Uh, I would recommend doing that to hear more examples of the work that Polygon is doing across the country. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes of the show. But for this episode, for Larry and Rich, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you next time.